Hey everybody, welcome to Grow Up, where we are healing the child within us while lovingly and respectfully raising the child that's in front of us. Are you ready? It is time to grow up. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I am your host, Amy. And for those returning listeners, thanks for being here as usual. And for those new to the podcast, welcome. I am just a regular old mom, like lots of you out there. And not an expert, just somebody who is showing up to do the work every single day alongside her child and letting him be her biggest teacher. And I usually try to come up with a podcast every other week. And I'm a little overdue this week. Um, It was Mother's Day weekend, two weekends ago. And I kind of thought my mom and I would get on here and do a fun episode And then it just got to be kind of a crazy week. We had a death on her side of the family and a funeral out of town. And I think we both were just kind of feeling emotional and drained and had a lot going on with having to change work schedules and childcare schedules and everything else. And just like life, you know, just like how things happen for all of us, we just had to kind of ebb and flow and we had to clear our plates a little bit and decided to take Mother's Day to relax and instead of doing the podcast because that's what our brains and our bodies were saying that we needed. So thank you all for being patient and being understanding. I know that I always look forward to when my podcasts that I listen to come out and I hope that I didn't make anyone too bummed out not having a new episode, but I am back today and ready to go. Um, I plan on doing something with my mom in the future um, because I know that some of you were excited about that and had questions to ask and things like that. Um, But that one won't be for today because we just haven't had time to get together to record it. So today it is just me, a usual episode, getting on here to riff about life lately and everything going on. But if Just wanted to throw it out there again that if you do have questions that you think it would be interesting to hear from like a grandparent's perspective on this journey or for me to specifically ask my mom, by all means, write in. Um, Just a reminder that we've been through, you know, some pretty interesting events as a family. My mom has gone no contact with her mom before um, because she was raised by a narcissist and a toxic mother. Um, So there's questions about that. If you want to, you know, write in about something that you're experiencing that you'd like help with, or um, my mom has been through illness and death of a child. If that is something that resonates with you, or you'd like to know more about that situation and the way it impacted parenting, these are just some things that I'm sure we will probably cover when I chat with her. So if you are thinking ahead and you're like, you know, I'd really like to hear about something about this or whatever, please write in. Um, You can always DM me on Instagram at grow.up.ig or on email at thegrowuppod at gmail.com. So if something in this episode sparks some interest or curiosity or you have something to ask or say, or you're thinking ahead to the episode with my mom, please, by all means, right in. Let's get some content going. Make sure we get everyone's questions answered. So as always, I am here for you and always open to your suggestions and opinions and your hot takes from the episodes. So 
Today, I just kind of feel like getting on here and just chatting. I don't really have a super clear direction on where this is going to go. But uh, yeah, I was supposed to have therapy this morning and my therapist had to cancel because she's under the weather. And I just thought, you know what? How about a little podcast therapy? So welcome to therapy. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I am a huge advocate for therapy, though. For those of you out there who are on the fence about doing that, I cannot say enough good things. And I try to go once a week. And even on the weeks I think I might not have anything to chat about, I do. So I think it just shows how much we all go through on a daily basis and how much, you know, the learning process is never over. Um, in fact, there's a, a podcast of mine, or not a podcast, um, a reel that I put out on Instagram that seems to be gaining some traction with, uh, I don't know if any of you grew up in the you know 90s and I graduated in 04. So for me, like this song was like super hot when I was in middle school, probably, but the Miss Jackson song by Outkast's and I was listening to it in the car one day, and I heard the lyric where he says, forever, forever, ever, forever, ever. And it made me think about this idea for a reel that I put out on Instagram, and maybe you've seen it already. Um, but yeah, I just was thinking about how the journey of growth in our lifetime is just forever, and there's no end point. And just when you feel like you're riding the wave, you know, another one comes from a different side. So um, I think it's been relevant to how I've been feeling lately. I've been feeling super overwhelmed with life and its lessons and its, you know, twists and turns and pauses and things like that. And I know for me, I start to like almost be a turtle. Like I start to retreat into my shell and it's never personal to anybody else. It's never like me trying to ignore people. It's just simply me trying to like cut down the noise. Um, especially when you're a mother or a caretaker, um, or you just have to show up for your job every day, things like that. Like there's certain things that have to be done. And I guess for me, when I'm feeling really overstimulated and overwhelmed, it's like, I just kind of cut the fat and I just really have to just like put my nose down and get the stuff done that has to be done. Like taking care of my son, um, you know, my business stuff and, and it's hard to show up in all the other extra areas that I'd like to show up in. So I know I've been a little bit more quiet on social media. I had to cut out um, last week's podcast just because I didn't have the time or energy to do it. And it's sad because those are the things that actually bring me a lot of joy. Um, not that parenthood doesn't or my job doesn't, but those are like the extra things that I do to fill my cup. And so I've been pouring a lot from an empty cup lately and, um, you know, feeling some type of way about a lot of that. My husband's been, I mean, absolutely incredible. And I could never say enough good things about him. I don't, I don't talk about him to be annoying or try to be, you know, boastful about what a great support system I have, but I say it in the way that he is a lifeline for me that, um, like when I say, I truly don't know what I would do. Um, I mean, I guess you just do what you got to do. I think we've all been in situations where you just have to, you know, do that, get through things that you don't think you could possibly get through. But, um, yeah, I, I just have found myself really heavily, heavily depending on him, not only emotionally, um, as I do often and have for, you know, 10 years, but, um, even just like to literally get the day-to-day -day stuff done. Um, I feel like we've just been living in this kind of like chaos for, I don't know, honestly, since like the new year in a way. Um, 
I've mentioned it several times on the podcast and you're probably sick of hearing about it, but like I had that concussion back in February and then I got COVID in, in March and um, in April, you know, we had just tons. I was working late, almost like double. I was working weekends, which I don't normally do, but doing that for like April and May, trying to make up all the people that I had to cancel on in my business. Um, in February and March from canceling them because of my um, time off from COVID and from my concussion. Um, I've been trying to ease back into life because of having COVID and a concussion. It's just like a lot of um, recovery, a lot of downtime, a lot of limited capacity that I wasn't used to. Um, I'm very used to spreading myself way too thin and um, not allowing myself the time and grace to fully get what I need by way of rest or support or help and something like those two things are things that were like unavoidable like I had to be alone in my room for 10 days with COVID because nobody else around me tested positive which was wonderful but you know that was a lot on everyone else in my circle um and with a concussion I mean I'm talking like literally laying in a dark room and not even being able to like be on my phone or not being able to, I mean, honestly, I feel like my memory these days, and you might even notice it on the podcast, is like, just like blanks out. And I'm not talking about like a typical brain fart. I'm talking about like, I'll be mid talking about, you know, a direct thing, a passionate thing with my clients or something. And I just like feel like, you know, Will Smith pops out like the men in black and and shows me a laser and like everything in my brain just goes numb. You know, it's like black. It's like, whoop, don't even know where I was going. Hit a total, you know, wall of just blankness. I can't even describe it. And I don't know if that's like a post-COVID thing. I don't know if that's a post, um, post-concussion thing. I don't know if it's just a mom thing, an overwhelming thing. Um, I've been on this quest of self-discovery for myself the last couple months, specifically realizing that I think that I have ADHD and it's something that um, I've been learning a lot about and it's been very, very eye-opening to me. And then part of me is like, is this the ADHD? Um, And I think that's a new thing because I'm just kind of wrapping my head around that whole journey and maybe the way that it's fit into my life thus far that I didn't even understand. Um, The best way I can describe it is that I was telling my therapist this last week that I feel like the pieces of the quilt of my life, if you can picture your life as a quilt, each little story, each little milestone segment piece of who you've been in your past, you know, it's like a little square of the quilt and those all are still there and they all are significant in their own way. The traumas, the happies, the sad, you know, the struggles, all of it, the, the hallmarks of my personality. Um, that's all my little pieces. And I feel like finding out that without obviously being medically diagnosed yet, I do think I'm going to try to go down that road, even though it's a very long road, I think it would be very validating to me, but um, kind of realizing this is almost like the thread that links all of my quilt pieces together. It's been like this, it's almost like seeing, it's almost like putting on a pair of glasses when you have blurry vision. Like, 
I can see all the things and I've been able to see all the things, but it's like a new filter that I'm looking through that all of a sudden makes a lot of things in my life make a lot more sense. (laughs) And it has been mind blowing. It has been exciting. It has been a grief. Um, Yeah, it's been a lot. And I think so that's been something I've been trying to make sense of lately. And I've just been really burnt out. And I think I've been working a lot trying to get people in and working extra hours and depending on my husband. And then when I come home, I'm feeling guilty because I'm exhausted and I'm trying my best. But it's also, you know, I'm not seeing my son as much. And I'm We've got extracurriculars going into the spring. He signed up for soccer and soccer practices now. And he started a ninja warrior course um, at a gymnastics studio. And we just had a lot going on. We have a, a big vacation coming up in June. And again, trying to get clients in before I leave on vacation. And um, and then, like I said, we have the death in the family. It just feels like every single week we go into it maybe looking like a normal week and then we get thrown some kind of curveball and we have to adjust. And, you know, my house looks like a wreck because I've been busy doing other things and then that stresses me out. Like, it's just like everything's mounting. Um, and I know that's a hard thing for anybody, but I think especially when you're like, you know, you've got maybe some neurodivergence and you're going like, wait a minute, I got to like, you're just trying to figure it all out at once. And my maybe toxic habit is to feel so overwhelmed trying to get it all done. And I'm a perfectionist and I want it done perfectly. And then I do nothing. I don't take the first step. I get paralyzed. I get overwhelmed. I shut down. I go into my turtle shell. I um, don't ask for proper help because it is something I have never felt safe doing in my life because of my past and my upbringing and I try to take it all on myself, and I can't, and then I burn out. So it's just a vicious cycle. I also have been dealing with, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but um, like autoimmune style symptoms for, I don't know, seven years or so. Um, My allergist is suggesting I go back to a rheumatologist um, to get more answers with that. But so, yeah, my health has been fluctuating, and I don't know if that's something that got triggered with, you know, the other things I've been going through or if that's just a regular flare-up. But, yeah, that's been really bad, maybe possibly because of the stress that I'm under. That never seems to help. So, yeah, I've just been in it. I've just been really, really in it. And today I popped on Instagram and did a quick story. You know, it's never quick with me, but (laughs) quick-ish about things that I've been, you know, coming to terms with, with my son that have been really big mirrors for me. And I have a couple of those that I wanted to share today on the podcast. And I don't love the way these stories make me sound, to be honest, because I don't think that I'm this person. But then when I get really honest about the way things trigger me, I'm like, oh my God, maybe this stuff is more of a staple of my personality than I'd even like to admit. And I think Parenthood specifically, but it doesn't have to come from parenthood. Um, there's just big things in your life that become mirrors if you allow them to be. And what I mean by a mirror is that instead of being a victim to, you know, things happening in your responses and just going, oh, this is just me. This is just how I feel. But getting curious about why and instead of blaming 
something outside of yourself. It really makes you dig deeper and get curious into why you have that feeling or what your belief is around that feeling. And another thing I've been sitting with lately is just what our, like how important our beliefs are because your belief about something, which is completely subjective, usually is learned, um, can be formed by society, can be formed by your, um, upbringing. It can be formed by trauma. It could be formed you know, by so many things in your life and not even, um, not even apparent ones, things that just kind of like slipped right into your psyche, you know, something that was just an understood thing in your family growing up that you don't even consciously realize you believe or, you know, just different, you know, in the media you consume, the um, friends you hang out with, the uh, culture that you grew up in, the area that you grew up in, just little things that you've kind of adapted to in your life. And these things can shape our beliefs. And the thing about your beliefs are they can change, right? And if you hold these beliefs, sometimes you realize that they dictate your the way you show up in your life. So if I believe something is like, you know, bad. I'm going to do everything in my power to right that wrong. And then I show up in a certain way to execute that plan. And so I think about that a lot in my parenting where like something triggers me and I instantly am like, nope, unacceptable, non-negotiable. This has to happen. This is ridiculous. Things like that. And that makes me want to show up in a way that squashes things about my son or censors things about him that really are not important. You know, when it comes down to it, my job as a parent is to keep him safe and healthy. And if it's anything outside of those two things, to be honest, I challenge myself and I challenge everyone listening to let some of that stuff go. You know, even if it's something that you're like, I don't like his tone. Okay, well, is it hurting anybody besides, you know, maybe my ego? No, you know, he's, he's four and he's processing anger and he might say some rude things. And I have to trust the process that he doesn't have to learn everything now. And if I change my belief that what he is doing is normal and necessary and what he is doing is acceptable and okay and allowed and developmentally appropriate, then I can change the way I show up for my son in more of an empathetic and loving way and less like the police and less like good guy, bad guy, you know? So I've been dealing a lot with that. Um, Another thing that's just been weighing on my mind these days. So that being said, um, I, this morning, you know, my son's getting ready for, for school and he loves my husband in the morning. So basically the roles that we take on in the morning is when he wakes up, my husband's like kind of like the playmate, the guy that goes in there and you know, get some dressed and get some moving in the morning. And then I kind of do everything on the back end. So I wake up, I say good morning, but I immediately kind of jump into, you know, the bag packer and the breakfast getter and the, you know, all that stuff, the the logistic person. And my husband's more of like the hands-on with him parent. So side note, my son is growing his hair out. That is his choice. We allow him that choice. And another thing you should know about him is that his hair is pin straight. 
it does nothing. We tried to grow it out when he was little before we ended up cutting his hair and we were like, oh, let's just see what happens. Maybe it'll be cute. No, it was like a weird ragamuffin mullet. It was stringy. It was straight. It was in his eyes. It grows completely forward. It was hard to push it off to the side. And as much as it killed me, because I was like, oh, his long, cute little baby hair, we ended up like, okay, this is the kid that needs a haircut. So we did that back in the day. And he's never really given us, you know, any other reason to do anything else. He's never expressed wanting to grow it out until recently. So he's growing it out now. And for those of you that don't know, I am a hairstylist. I've been a hairstylist since 2005. So I do hair all day long. My husband's hair is very difficult. It's pin straight has lots of colics. My son's hair is decently difficult, just like his dad's. Multiple colics, growth patterns, pin straight, does nothing, needs product, or stands up like a porcupine. So you have a kind of a background. So lately, he's been really into the band LMFAO. No judgment. I know what you're thinking. Um, He heard the song on an Instagram filter. I'm sexy and I know it. Again, totally inappropriate. I get it, but he has no idea what it is. He thinks it's a fun song. So he listens to it a lot. He also knows how to read. So he sees it on Spotify and he thinks this band is called Lim Fowl <laughs> because he thinks LMFAO is one word. So he's like, loves Lim Fowl. The filter that he saw that he fell in love with was when like the song comes up, there's like a hole for your face but you're the character, you're like the singer of the band. So like there's one of Shakira, there's one of Britney Spears, there's one of Nicki Minaj, there's one of um, the guy that sings Gangnam Style or whatever that song is. Um, and then there's this one of, I think his name is Red Foo. I can't really remember. Um, the guy, One of the guys from LMFAO, the guy with the big afro. And it's literally him like dancing around in a Speedo singing I'm Sexy and I Know It. And it's totally inappropriate, but he thinks it's hilarious. So we let him play with it from time to time. So the point of me saying this is he's fallen in love with the song. It's one of his faves. He loves Lim Fow. He loves this guy and he loves his hair. So he keeps telling me that he is growing his hair out to look like the singer of Lim Fow. Amongst the fact that like this is not cute, it's not looking good. It's shaggy. It's unkept. It's like every... And here's the other thing. Like, I mean, speaking from just a pure parenting perspective, we all love our kids. We think they're adorable. Just seeing my son's sweet little face and a cute little haircut with a style and he used to let me put product in it. And like, there was just something so like handsome about it. And I just, now I look at him and I'm like, oh my God, you just look like you are living in the wild. And, you know, again, this is all my shit. This is not his shit. I don't put it on him. I don't tell him any of this. I try my best to regulate when I'm around him. And then I talk to my therapist (laughs) about this. Or apparently I get on my podcast and and tell you all. But the point is, his hair is not going to be an afro. It's not going to grow curly. It's not going to grow up in that way. It's going to be like Joe Dirt, essentially. And hey, listen, nothing against Joe Dirt, to each his own. But yeah, as a parent, I'm kind of like, really? Is this the vibe? So this is my son's new thing. So we're just letting it go. Because I also know something about my son, and that is that everything has, he has to come to him on his terms. So if I double down and I go crazy and I constantly mention it and constantly bring it up, and it's going to be worse. He's going to be like, oh, now I'm growing it down to my ass. So good luck, mom. So I'm just, you know, bowing out. Plus, I don't want to give him shame because, again, it's hair. It's not a big deal. 
Um, okay, cool. So there's that. So you have a background. So that being said, he wakes up now and his bedhead is extreme. 10 out of 10, alfalfa, you know, tidal waves of hair, doesn't want it kept, doesn't want it brushed, doesn't want spray put on it on most days. Now, I still offer because I am a parent and that is my job. I say, hey, you know, how's it going? How you feeling about your hair this morning? I'm just curious. I'm not leading. I'm not judging. Just trying to stay neutral. Looks like it looks like it's standing up. Did you look in the mirror? You checked it out? Okay, cool. So you see the pieces standing up. Good. How are we feeling about that? Oh, you like it. You think it looks good. Awesome. So then you don't want me to brush it. Got it. Cool. Have a great day. <laughs> and in my mind, I'm like, dear Lord, let me just put some water on your hair. It doesn't even have to be a style. Just let me make it look like I take care of you. And that's what this comes down to. What I realized it triggers in me is my pre-parent self that would look at kids like that and look at their parents. And, and their parents usually were all put together. And I would think to myself, being so naive, wow, you spent all this time getting yourself ready in the morning and the least you could have done is brush your kid's hair, right? That's what I would think. And I don't like to admit that. That makes me sound some type of way that I, I don't mean to be, but I'm just being completely honest. And that, of course, comes from social conditioning. That comes from me going to a Catholic school where we had to look a certain way. Boys had to have a certain length of hair. And and I will say, just a total side note, this has nothing to do with boys can't have long hair. I love guys in long hair. I think it looks great. I just, you know, on my kid, growing it out is a process. He won't let me brush it and, and manage it as much. I mean, he does let us wash it, so that's cool. Um, but, yeah, it's it's not about the fact that he wants long hair. I couldn't care less about that. It's not the fact that people might think he's a girl. Couldn't care less about that. It's not about gender identity. It's not about any of these things. It is just simply about um, my personal perception of him looking messy and what I think it says about me as a parent. So I've been struggling with this internally, not externally, keeping, you know, and again, I'm supporting him because I know for my parents, it's been hard. They're more conventional and they've kind of said like, you know, your hair's getting long, you know, kind of thing. And then I kind of always jump in with like, yep, he wants to grow it out and we support him and that decision and da, 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 because it's hair. It doesn't matter. Um, And he's cute. He's always going to be cute. And that doesn't matter. So. The point is, this morning he's leaving for preschool. He's got a crazy bad head. And I offer brushing, wetting. Nope, doesn't want it. Looks in the mirror, says, I like my bed head. I'm like, cool. He's he's just going with it. And then I offer him a hat because I'm like, can maybe we do a hat? And, of course, he says no because the thing is with these sensitive children, with their own independent ideas, you think for two seconds he can't sense my agenda? My son's like, bitch, I know what you're trying to do. You are trying to get me to wear a hat because you want to cover my bed head. So, of course, he's like, no. And then he decides that he, oh, actually, he does want to wear a hat. And the hat that he chooses is, drum roll, he loves turning red, the movie. And he has a turning red bucket hat. One side has a red panda on it. The other side has a bunch of, like, Asian cuisine, like, dumplings and chopsticks and... Um, sushi rolls and things like that and it's like red on one side so anyway he's like I want to wear that and I'm just like oh god and I I mean yeah cool we own it I bought it for him because he just loves a costume and he loves that movie and I knew it would make him happy didn't really foresee him wearing it to preschool 
didn't really see that on the agenda with his hair mess. And also he wears a mask to preschool. So now he's like leaving for the day. Let me just paint a picture. Hair's a mess, shaggy, pin straight, turning red bucket hat, mask, uh, shorts and a shirt, tall-ish tube socks and a pair of tennis shoes. And he's walking out of the door and I'm like, my kid looks like a tourist. Now, if you've seen Turning Red at all, you also know there's like a bunch of like a girl gang kind of like tween, you know, thing. My son's obsessed with the soundtrack. So we said to my husband, who's driving him to school, Dad, we're going to like wear this hat and listen to the Turning Red soundtrack in the car. And I'm just like, oh man, he is in it. And this girl gang, they always like are into this, you know, it's almost like reminds me of um, K-pop groups. But anyway, so he it's like a boy band. So they're into this boy band and they're like tweens and they're into like taking pictures and being cute and whatever. And this one little girl in the group, I think it's her name's Abby, I'm pretty sure. Um, my my son is obsessed. He's obsessed with these girls. And like we're going to Disney soon and he thinks he's going to meet them. Which of course, like I don't think there's like an exhibit or a bride for Turning Red yet because it's so new. But he just like is like, I'm going to meet Mei Lin and all the girls from Turning Red. I'm like, oh man, here we go. So he does this new pose now, and it's, like, the girl Abby. And the girl Abby does, like, this, like, feet apart, hip out, peace sign flipped around her eye. Like, almost like a cat eye situation pose. And my son has taken this pose, and this is, like, his new jam. Like, family picture? Nailed it. Doing the pose. Uh, Picture in his new bucket hat? Doing the pose. Like, this is his jam, and he thinks he is awesome, and he is awesome, but it cracks me up. So there he goes walking out to the car, and I'm just laughing, like, wow, there goes my little tourist marching at the beat of his own drum, will not be detoured, will not be shamed, will not be any of the things which I love and I support, and I'm also, like, secretly cringing, secretly proud and totally reevaluating my own beliefs inside of my head because it just shows me that, like, I mean, this could be for anything. This could be outfit choice because he also loves to wear pajamas out, and I always said I would never be that mom. Never say never. Karma's a bitch. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but, yeah, never say never. Um, uh, you know, he's just the kid that has taken every single thing I thought I knew, every single thing I thought I had control of, and made me look deeply in the mirror and said, Reevaluate that, mom. This isn't about me. This is about you. This is about your shit. This is about everything that you, you know, believe and things that can be challenged. Get curious. Where is this coming from? Why do you hold these beliefs? And I think it's really shedding light onto my own insecurity growing up and wanting to fit in and be a certain way. And I did care too much about my appearance. I still care too much about my appearance. I'm a hairstylist. I deal with appearance every single day. I, you know, make people, their hair ideas come true every single day. And it's just been so interesting raising him and the things that he's teaching me and so for us you know it's a hair struggle or it's an image struggle and I'm sure for those of you out there it's other things and I think these are things that I used to call non-negotiables you know brushing your hair is a non-negotiable and it's made me realize like does it affect his safety no does it affect his health no It's not causing knots in his hair. It's not causing dandruff. He's letting me wash his hair. It's not dirty and greasy. He doesn't have lice. (laughs) You know, I'm like, this is not a problem. 
This is not actually a problem. This is my problem. And again, it's just like he was walking out that door and it just was like essentially just a big giant mirror from the universe. Like, yeah, I see you struggling, mom. You know, that's that's turning that mirror onto my own inner work. And there's been another thing that came up recently, and this one has been really fascinating to me because it's something that I did not see coming. Some of this, some of this beauty stuff or, or appearance stuff, I could kind of see coming because I know that I struggle, um, as a lot of women do. And I think that even just shows you even more so about you know the culture and the, and the things that we're trying to break in society as we raise these children that are hopefully going to do better than the next generation. But this. Um, Next one really threw me for a loop. So my son is very coordinated, sure on his feet, loves to dance, has been running since literally the day he could walk. I mean, it took us, I think I mentioned this on another episode, that until he was four years old, family walks consisted of him running constantly. And we'd have to play red light because he would get so many houses down from us and we're like, stop, it's not safe, red light, red light, you know. And almost like to the point where he'd be the kid you would see on a leash, you know, out in public, which I used to have feelings about that, too, until I had a kid that would run and it felt unsafe. So now I just bite my tongue and watch my judgment when I see parents doing what they have to do to keep their children safe. So anyway, um, it's been a thing. And... A friend of ours signed her son up for soccer for this, you know, local city rec soccer league for preschool boys. And it was like, oh, if you want to sign up, you know, we're putting him on this team and you can request to be with friends. And we thought it might be kind of fun. And she's like, you know, does Vaughn, my son, want to play? And so we opened it up to him. And in my mind, I'm thinking, no, he's not going to want to play because I will say for as coordinated and everything as my son is, he's pretty much shown little to no interest in sports. You know, some kids are like their first word is ball. They get out there and they want to shoot hoops or they want to throw the ball or they want to hit it with a, you know, play golf or play whatever. Like some little kids are just so drawn to sports. And this is like the opposite of my son okay he is um not because he can't he just loses interest in it almost immediately and I've said from an early age I mean I'm talking like probably 18 months or earlier that I could see him doing something physical because he's very active but not in a group setting more of an individualized thing and something that is extreme in terms of adrenaline like rock climbing like diving um, running, uh, biking, BMX biking, motorcycle riding, skateboarding, um, things like that, that just really get, cause he's just such a seeker. He's in a, he's a sensory seeker and he's go, 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 go. And this is actually part of the reason I realized I think I have ADHD because I've been looking into ADHD for him as well. And it turns out it's um, hereditary. And it's made me really start to evaluate myself. I'm like, oh shit, this is me. So that being said, I just have never seen him being the kid that would be into playing soccer or t-ball or, you know, all these things, but we're open to anything. He's taken dance classes before he's taken swim lessons. He takes piano. He's in gymnastics, ninja classes. I mean, he's, he's does a lot and whatever he's interested in, he's in more than welcome to check it out. So he says he wants to. We ask him a couple times over the course of a couple days just to make sure that that wasn't just, you know, a one-off. And sure enough, nope, he wants to play soccer. Cool. So we sign him up. 
Michigan's crazy, weather's crazy, a bunch of games get rained out. You know, we finally get him to his first game. And my parents come, and I'm there with my husband, and we're so excited. And I, and honestly, going into it, I'm going to be completely honest, I checked my expectations because I thought, he's probably not going to get out there. And if he does, he's probably just going to run and chase everyone else. Like, he's not going to understand the concept. He's not going to understand whose team he's on. or Because at this point, because of he had sniffles one day when they had practice and the other practices got rained out and he never had a practice. So he's literally walking into this game, never having played soccer in his entire life. So he gets out there and instantly we're like, what's going on? Like he's running, but he's almost doing this like exaggerated Super Mario Brothers run. (laughs) And it's like not nearly as fast as he can run. And I'm like, why is he running like that? Like what is... Like, what is he doing? And when I tell you that, like, the ball would come and he would run the other direction, the group of kids ran one way, he would run the other. At one point, like, the ball touches his feet and he, like, runs away from it. Um, He was, like, at one point, like, observing the crowd and, like, looking at them almost like they were in some kind of fantasy land in his head. Like, it was, like, playing into some scenario and... He was, like, almost acting like a dinosaur, which wouldn't be completely out of the realm of possibility because my kid's obsessed with dinosaurs and loves pretend. So this is, like, a different level of not participating. Like, I thought he just, like, wouldn't care and just not want to play or not really whatever, but would still run because he, like, loves to run. Well, he gets out there. He's not even running. He's growling at the ball. He has, like, his hands, like, T-Rex claws, and he's making these weird faces, and I'm like okay, what actually is going on here? So my husband and I are just like, what? Like, I mean, he's like being a total space cadet. They're like constantly like, Vaughn, come over here. Vaughn, go with your team. Vaughn, staying on the line. Vaughn, you know, like it just was like, what's going on? And I can feel my insides start to tense up. And then I'm like getting mad at myself because I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Like, I'm not like this. But that being said, I'm competitive as by nature with anything. I played sports growing up. I happened to have won sport or um, awards for playing sports. My brother, my older brother, was an incredible athlete. You know, won statewide um, acclaim for you know his talents, and um, yeah, could have actually probably made something off his sports career had he been alive. Um, my dad was super into sports. It's like, it's kind of like my family's love language (laughs) in a way. Like my dad's super athletic is more of a jock type. My brother was more of a jock type. Um, my mom played sports and like, you know, was, you know, kind of a competitive person. Her dad was like a coach. So like, I kind of was raised in that. We haven't really been forcing that upon my son at all, but that was, kind of the culture I was raised in. So just with him being coordinated, I just naturally thought like, oh yeah, he'll get out there and run, but he won't participate. So anyways, he's just totally doing, just throwing me for a curveball. And I'm sitting there like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed, you know? And then I'm even having weird feelings about that because I'm like, oh my God, it's preschool soccer, Amy, like get over yourself. Like, why are you embarrassed? Who cares? But I'm noticing that like the parents that were sitting next to us, that their child is really um, seems to be getting the concept. He has older siblings that are watching the game and they play soccer because you can just tell and they have like, you know, a soccer ball with them and whatever. 
Um, and the parents seem really like into it and also really discouraged by the kids that aren't into it. And then my people pleasing comes into play and my rule following perfectionism and my competitiveness. And I'm sitting there like feeling some type of way that like my son seems to be the one that's like, quote, bringing down the team, even though like what it's preschool soccer. Um, but yeah, there was just like this inner feeling of like burden and like um, embarrassment and, um, shame because we're like oh my god like what do people think of him and then like mama bear of wanting to like protect and like over explain that like no he does know how to do this because in the backyard he understands him and my husband will kick a ball around he knows how to dribble and kick and he's pretty good at it at practice uh, we've since learned after this game he plays at practice normally But my son is super theatrical, loves a performance, loves a crowd, super extroverted. And I think when he gets in front of the crowd of people watching, he's like, oh, this is a stage and you all came to watch me perform. So he comes off, you know, and we're like, are you having fun? He's like, yeah, he like likes it. He wants to go in again and all these things. And I'm just biting my tongue as much as I can. And I'm just like, he's having fun. And my husband's like reminding me like, Amy, let it go. He's having fun. And I'm trying to, and I'm trying to explain to my husband that, like, I'm not mad at him. I'm not embarrassed necessarily of him. This is my shit. And I can feel it. I I am, like, it is, like, trying to keep, you know, I'm like the cork in the champagne bottle that's ready to explode. You know, I'm just, like, keep it in, keep it in, keep it in. What is coming up? And I, like, didn't even expect this. So I'm getting, like, blindsided by my emotions here. Again, total mirror for my inner work and my inner shit. And this is something that, like, had my son never done a sports or sports team thing, I would have never had to confront this side and understood this wounding or this this social conditioning that I'm dealing with. But anyways, the point is, he comes off and we're like, I'm like, are you being a dinosaur? And he's like, no, I'm being Wario. Well, Wario is like Mario from the Mario Brothers, like, counterpart, like the evil counterpart. He doesn't even play Mario. Like, I'm like, how the hell do you even know what Wario is? So cool. So he plays the whole game like Wario. We're trying to get on his level. We're like, cool. Like, what if Wario played soccer? Like, can you show us what that looks like? You know? And he just is like undeterred from his agenda of being Wario. People are like, who is this child? Mind you, he's the only one out there in the flamboyant, fluorescent, lime green cleats, which are just calling attention to the fact of like, you know, just him and that he's just doing his own thing. And it was hard for me. And I think another layer to it being hard for me was that my parents were sitting right there. And I know that sounds weird. And I know they're probably going to listen to this and go like, what? Because it just felt like I was letting them down in a weird way. And that's my own shit. And I think it's because you don't even realize like the things that you do, I don't think. And this is something that I've had to sit with. And I've actually had a whole ass therapy session about this scenario. I'm like, wow, I'm talking about my son's preschool game in therapy. Like, what have I become? But anyways, it needs to be addressed. And it was something that I realized in sitting there that I think I felt a level of pride and, quote, goodness, if you want to call it that, when my parents saw me play sports because I knew that it brought them joy. And my brother was really good at sports, and I spent my majority of my childhood going to his baseball games, going to the hockey rink, going, and like I would have to bring my stuff to his games, or we'd go on a trip because it was like a travel hockey game. And like 
I mean, I wasn't like, you know, being neglected. That's not what I'm saying. The point is I had to kind of morph and shape shift into being like the cheerleader for his games and making friendships around the people that were the sisters of the players or doing my homework in the car while he had practice or, and I think we all kind of did that. I mean, that's the nature of having siblings, but the point is my dad was coaching. I saw the pride that he had in that. My dad's a fantastic coach. My dad's a fantastic like teacher with children in general. Um, and I think I felt a level of pride when he would, like my friends liked being coached by him and it was just like this, like being the coach's daughter. And it's just interesting. It's interesting how it wasn't impressed to me. Like, you get out there and you do. They weren't like that. But you pick up on those things. And I think this is even more of a reason to be bringing this up in therapy because I want to be so clear with my son that there is nothing that he has to do for me. There's nothing he has to do. Yes, I mean, naturally, I like art. If he wanted to sit in color all day, I would be the freaking happiest mom on the planet. Um, if he wanted to bake with me, if he wanted to... Oh my God, the other day he listened to... I love Jenny Lewis um, from the band Rilo Kylie, and now she's like a solo performing artist on Mother's Day. He listened to some of her music because I was like, well, it's my day. I get to pick the music. And he loved the song Moneymaker by her, um, by Rilo Kylie. And it's a song that I don't even love. I mean, I like it because I like all of her music, but I don't super love it. And he was singing it. He said, add it to my playlist. And he came inside and he was singing it. And there was like this inner like, oh my God, he likes something I like. Like this feeling of connection. And I think even more specifically with my dad, because my dad's not a super like, um, outward emotional person. I mean, yes, I know he loves me, but I also think that this was our way of connecting. Like we'd ride to games together. You know, we would talk about strategies and plays and, you know, rehash games. And I, you know, he loved baseball. I actually really love baseball too. The, the art of the game, like I've taken him to games, just he and I together. That's like a happy memory of mine. And sitting there with my parents and having this pressure as a child to always want your parents to approve of you. And I think especially, I don't know about everyone listening, but like for me as a parent, like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter your relationship with your parents, whether it's toxic, good, uh, you know, anything. There's always this inner child in you that wants your parents to see you and approve of you. And your kid is almost like an extension of that, even if you don't want it to be that way. And so it hurts extra when your parents like don't understand your parenting or they don't agree with something that you're doing or they think something should be different about your kid or whatever. And I also have this chip on my shoulder that my kid is different than a lot of people. And I know that. And I already know that. And that's a huge part of my journey. That's a huge part of the reason that I came to this platform of Grow Up because it has challenged me and stretched me in ways that I could have never seen coming. But there's this, this feeling of I didn't see this one coming and I felt like I got blindsided. And my parents were there, and it was an added level of, um, what's a word? Like, not shame, but, like, just, like, them observing it, too, and knowing that it probably was hard for them and trying to be okay with it because I know that's the way that I want to be and the way I'm raising my kid, but also feeling the burden of wanting to appease my parents. It was just, it was a lot of weird emotions in that moment, 
And to the point where like I really had trouble and I and I going into it, it's like, okay, I go into the game like this is how it's gonna be. I don't, you know, this is whatever my shit. And I try to keep it under wraps, but like every time it just it's it's just hard. It's just been hard. It's weird that it's hard. It's I've been three games in now. By the third game, I really started to find peace with it. And that was after I talked to my therapist about it, and that was really helpful to me. And she really put something into perspective for me. And she said, I think you need to really get clear about, you know, like she's like, Amy, I know you enough. And we talk about parenting all the time. And we do. She said, you raise your son to be comfortable in his own skin. You make that a priority. You, you want him to be seen and heard for exactly who he is. And she's right. When I think about when I first started on my parenting journey, someone once told me to get really clear about your non-negotiables, you know, your things that um, just how you want to raise your kid, right? And I think that that was one of mine. It was so important for me to, to sit with it and go, you know, I want my kid to know that there is nothing they have to do for me and my feelings, that those are my feelings and my feelings alone. I don't want him to take on my shit. And that he can be whoever he is, and it is always okay for with me. Even if he, you know, makes a terrible mistake in his life, he knows that he can come to me, that there is no shame, that I will see the best in him always, and I will love him unconditionally. And those were some of my big pillars of parenting. And when I get lost in the murkiness and muddiness of parenting, I try to go back to those. And she reminded me of that. And she said, yeah, you could you could try to, you know, gently, you know, put a little social pressure, like gently like, you know, oh, don't you think you should be helping your team? Or don't you think, you know, like in, in a positive way, not in like a shamey negative way, but kind of like, you know, oh, let's go over like the rules of soccer. Did you know you're supposed to chase the ball? Like that type of thing, right? And I don't even think I want to do that. And it, and it gave me this acceptance of like, I'm choosing to to be okay with this, that, yeah, my kids, so the next game, he was Bowser. And then someone said something about a zombie and he heard it. And we all know that he loves Halloween. So then he was acting like a zombie and he was like, you know, walking like a zombie down the field with his tongue out while the ball is on the other side with everyone else playing. And he's over here being a zombie. And then he was Thor. And it's just like every, I mean, it's like the world is his oyster and his stage. And he thinks that he is there. Like, and it's so him because Soccer would just be too boring. It's like, no, that's too easy. I don't want to just kick a ball. But if I kick a ball as Bowser or if I kick a ball as a zombie, like now we're talking, you know, that's my kid. How can we make this more? How can we make this extra? And I love that about him. And that is truly one of my favorite things about him that he doesn't give a flying fuck. He doesn't care if everyone's going one way. If he thinks the other path looks more fun, there is no bribing in the world that would make him change path. And that's my kid. And I love that about him. And I love that about him even when it's hard for me. I love that about him even when he's walking out the door looking like a bedhead hot mess tourist in his bucket hat. I love that about him when he's doing a Mario run down the field. I love that about him when he's growling at the audience at a soccer game. It's like, where do you draw the line? And I think there's this radical acceptance and honesty that I have to realize this is totally mine. And the bigger picture here is 
keeping up with the autonomy of my son. We make it a point to allow him to be authentically himself. Messy hair, weird outfit, pajamas, crazy behavior in an inappropriate way, you know, when it's safe, of course, but I'm talking about like, you know, not playing soccer on a soccer field, essentially, things like that, because that's who he is. And if people want to look and they want to think something, then think it because we are cool and I am his wing person and I am his biggest fan and I need to take all of my shit to therapy. I need to realize that if any adult watching, be it my relatives or other parents on the team, have something negative to say or think, then that's on them. And then that's something that they bring to the table and then they should probably bring to therapy. And then it made me realize how often in my life growing up I felt misunderstood and that maybe I did things to be seen and loved because I thought that's what I had to be. That I looked a certain way because I wanted the acceptance of my peers or I wanted to look a certain way or I wanted to impress a certain person or I played sports past the point where I found enjoyment in them because I just thought that I was good at it and it made people happy and it felt it fulfilled the commitment to my team and it, you know... I didn't do things I was bad at even though I wanted to try them just because I stayed with the things that were safe and I played small and safe when I could have stepped out of my comfort zone and authentically owned my shit and been myself and for whatever reason whether that's upbringing whether that's society I didn't feel safe to do that and I am remembering the bigger picture in these moments when my my son is showing me that mirror Mom, this is not about me. This is not about me being Spider-Man on the soccer field right now. This is about your expectations. This is about your upbringing and your societal, you know, wounding and burden. And this is yours. And this is just another time again where I can say, I'm not a perfect parent. I don't claim to be a perfect parent. But my son and I are perfectly designed to help each other grow. I'm the one holding space. I almost feel like I'm like creating a force field around him of acceptance. And that means that keeping my own bullshit behind that force field and not letting that penetrate him in his naivety. Society one day, I mean, I'm sure he's going to go to school one day and someone's going to say something. Your hair's ugly. It's a mess. What are you doing? You know, why aren't you playing like everybody else? And that's going to happen. And that's societal. And I can't stop that from happening. But what I can control is his self-worth, that he will know that he is not, doesn't need to be ashamed for being different, that he is valuable and loved for exactly who he is, that he can come home to his safe haven force field of weirdness where he is allowed to let his freak flag fly and he is allowed to be himself and receive unconditional love always from those who truly support him and understand him and life's going to be hard because we all know it is and I have experienced that in the last x amount of months even more so with being overwhelmed with everything going on in my life but that he has a support system that sees him 
and will do anything to protect his autonomy, even at the expense of their own discomfort. Woo! So there's that. That's what bedhead and soccer practice with a bunch of preschoolers has taught me. (laughs) And here's why we're here, right? I mean, that's what grow up is. It's because you're never done. I had a guru of mine in growing, you know, probably my 20s or so. Talk about life is almost like this road trip, right? Like you're on the highway of life and you have these little detours. And these are the moments where you, you're like almost judging yourself. Like, damn, I thought I was better than this. Or I thought I was farther along than this. Or I didn't think this would still bother me. I thought I was over that. And those moments are like getting off on a rest area, you know, where you're still on the highway, but you kind of just pull off to the rest area. You didn't exit the freeway. You just pull over. And you do your quick pit stop for whatever reason. You got to go to the bathroom. You got to get a snack. You got to stretch your legs. You got to let, you know, the kids out to run in the yard really quick. And then you get back on that highway. And you're not back at square one. You're not back at the place you started from. You're still on that highway. You're still in a forward trajectory. You're still growing. You're still traveling. You're still moving. Those checkpoints are valuable. They show us where those little cracks are in our psyche, where we need to let the light in, where we need to do the work, where we need to find the healing. And they keep us moving forward. And it's easy to think when you hit those bumps that you're like, I suck. I'm a terrible mom. I'm less evolved than I thought. I'm this, I'm that. And that's the little negative self-talk. And that makes you feel like you go right back to square one. You're at the beginning stop on your road trip. You're leaving from your driveway. And it's not true. You can't unknow what you already know. You can't unlearn what you already learned. It's already in there. And you can get off and you can hit a bump and you can get a flat tire and you can fix it. And you can keep going forward. And our kids especially, or you know, nieces, nephews, anyone who's in your life to rock the boat and shake shit up and make you feel a little uncomfortable, those are the people that you hold on to as your teachers. And they will bring you the greatest lessons if you allow yourself to look into the mirror. With that, I am going to sign off here. If you want to reach out to me, again, at grow.up.ig on Instagram or at thegrowuppod at gmail.com, please do so. I would love to hear from you, as always. And I will talk to you next time. Keep doing the hard work. Bye-bye.